Hey, I'm Ferdinand, and thanks for checking out the message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text RiverConnect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So why would I say, don't skip church next week? Now, that's, that's an obvious thing that every pastor should always say for the beginning of time. Like, you should come next week. I don't even know what your schedule looks like. You should come next week. But the reason why I'm excited about this week and next week is we're going to kind of do a little bit of a two-parter. So uh, when you read Bible, the Bible, you have to read the Bible in context. To pull just one verse out of the Bible, just you, you go to chapter, you go to number, you go to book, whatever it is, and you just take one, one sentence, one verse, one anything, and you read that and you're like, this is what it is, you can actually miss so much. And I, I this is get that free commercial that I always say, read your Bible. Also, sometimes when people miss things, if you go like, oh, I read the end of the chapter, I'm done. Well, the next chapter is generally the preceding thought, or it keeps the idea going. So a big reason why I want people to read the Bible is so they don't miss things. They don't miss truth. They don't miss Jesus revealing something. And and this week is kind of that, like, part one of revealing a very important truth. So I'm very excited for next week, uh, because next week's sermon is going to start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where the opening verse is, Therefore I tell you, and this is Jesus talking, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Is anyone anxious in here? Anyone struggle with that? Does anybody question what God's doing when bills are a little bit higher, or health starts going a little bit south, or again, you look at the economy, you look at what's going on in the world, you, you look at your kids and you're like, why are you the way that you are, and am I raising you right You look at your marriage and like, why are we fighting more? Fill in the blank. But Jesus himself, King of kings, Lord of lords, uh, the incarnate deity, the one who is a perfect picture of God because he himself is God, says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And why I say, that's next week. That's next week's landing point. But for Jesus, when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't just go out of like random places just to go there. He's not just picking random thoughts. It's one sermon. A a sermon has a flow to it. A sermon has application. A sermon has teaching points. And this is kind of an area where Jesus is going to land on. He says, therefore. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible, therefore is there for a reason. And it always talks about application afterwards. So here's a good teaching point. Therefore, do this. So next week's do this is don't be anxious about life. And that's a tough one to hear. Because how flippantly, how easily Jesus is just like, hey, don't worry about it. And for some of us, how, how can you just say that? How can you just say, don't be anxious? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? So next week, we're going to kind of land on this. Now, I, I want to make sure that I'm very, very clear at the beginning of the sermon and even just kind of like bookend even next week. I'm not throwing out anxiety, depression, and mental health. These are all real things. People really struggle with this stuff. Now, you might not struggle with it as much as me or I might not struggle with it as much as you. 
But I think for all of us, we can talk about anxiety. For all of us, we can talk about moments of depression. We can, we can talk about moments of, of mental health. And I think for us, like that, that churchy response is just to say, just pray it away. Just trust Jesus. Just have faith. And those are actually very true statements. To say, just pray it away. Like, we're not going to, like, undershoot. We're not going to take the legs out of the power of prayer. Because prayer is powerful. So we're not going to take away prayer. To say, trust Jesus, that is the best advice you ever can hear about anything, any struggle you ever have in life. Trust Jesus. Because at the core of everything is trusting Jesus. To say, just have faith. Have faith that God has a plan. Have faith that God is going to work this out. It's a very, very, very true statement. But the problem is when you're talking about anxiety, depression, mental health, while those might be true, they don't always come off as the most helpful at the time. They don't always come off as, like, warm and fuzzy. They can become very dismissive. Again, I was a student pastor for many years. I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't handle when I would hear like a student would come up, like open up about everything that's going on in their life and just like, just trust Jesus, man, good luck. You had a high school kid just opening up, burying their soul and being like, I'm struggling with this. Just trust Jesus, bud. No, they're never going to open up again. Because then they start feeling like, oh, well, I, I do trust Jesus, but I still have these feelings. So I just must be busted. So the reality is, if you're here, I I want you to hear this. Because anxiety, depression, mental health, like, don't be anxious for the real, don't be anxious about your life. The reason why Jesus is saying this is because it's a real thing. He's not just picking up a sermon topic and just being like, yeah, let's just see where this goes. Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon ever preached. And smack dab in the middle of it talks about anxiety. So for us today, though, I kind of want to land on this idea of, like, what is the core uh, of an anxious heart? What is the core of a, why is that there? And then next week, we're going to kind of hit more of the application of how do we get through that. And I think the hardest thing about anxiety, the hardest thing about anything, it's the lie we believe about whatever is troubling us. So we we can pick this finances, we can pick this uh, health, we can pick this anything we want. But at the core of anxiety, the hardest thing about it is is there's a lie that we believe about something. So what is it that causes you anxiousness? What lie is attached to that? What lie is attached to that? Now, this becomes one of those hard things. If it was who stole the cookie from the cookie jar... You look at the person who has chocolate all over, all over their face, and that's an easier lie you can kind of navigate through. Like, it was you, you wanted a cookie, you took it, don't do that again, moving forward. That, that, that's an easy lie to kind of work through. But when the lie is, you're no good. When the lie is, you don't deserve love. When the lie is, you just constantly fail. When that lie is there, and it is attached to your heart. That's when you start having anxiety. That's when you start having these issues. If you constantly believe, well, I'm a screw-up, I'm just looking in the mirror at this point. If you believe that lie, it's going to cause anxious thoughts through the rest of your life in everything that you do. You could not put your blinker on while driving down the road and someone honks at you and you're like, see, I knew it. You just forgot to put your blinker on, man. It's not that big of a deal. 
But for some of us, like again, like if we hit, hit, don't hit the blinker, someone honks at us, like that, that is a debilitating moment in the day. Why? Because we believe a lie. So for us, like, if you don't hear anything else, I, I want you to know that if your heart struggles with anxiety, your, your start, heart struggles just to trust the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, one of my favorite verses, uh, starting in verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our war- warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your, diso- in, when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes, and if anyone is confident that he is in Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. I want you to know this, and I want you to hear this. If there's nothing else you hear, the wall in your heart is already coming up. You, you, we're talking about anxiety. You don't want to go there this morning. This isn't what you signed up for. I want you to look at yourself in the eye and remind yourself, are you Christ's? And Christ is yours. If you hear nothing else, I need you to hear that. Because if we're going to do a two-part sermon about anxiety, like, we're going to poke something at some point. Something's going to get revealed in your life. Something's going to get revealed in your walk with God, and it, it might not be comfortable for you. But to bring yourself back, you've got to be able to remind yourself, who are, are you in Christ, and what is he to you? So for us, uh, what is the core of us as people? To really start kind of building this, we, we have to throw this back to week one. Uh, why do we struggle with anxiety? Why do we struggle with anxiousness? To bring us back to like week number one, we talked about God created us as beings of worship. God created us in the very beginning for us to know God, to walk with God, to worship him, to know him. That's how God created us. But something happened in the world or sin entered the world because of one man. And at that moment, our worship got twisted. And instead of worshiping the creator, we start doing worshiping two things. We start worshiping self. We start worshiping created beings. Our worship is no longer solely focused on the Lord. It gets focused on other things. So we worship our marriage. We worship our kids. We worship money. We worship TV. We worship celebrities. Those are things of worship. So why is it so hard for you to walk and know Jesus? Welcome to the club. We're all sinful. Because of sin, our worship gets off. And in my opinion, looking at anxiety, dealing with anxiety, knowing scripture, I believe at the core of anxiousness, It's a swerving of worship because we believe a lie. We believe a lie more than we believe truth. We believe a lie more than we leave a Bible. And that swerves our worship for no longer loving and trusting God. So when is it that anxiety hits you the worst? Track it. What lie are you believing? The thing you get most anxious about. What lie do you believe? And if you start looking, oh, wow. And then that lie, you no longer can see the worship of the Lord. You struggle trusting him. You struggle relying on him. You start reading scripture and you're like, yeah, okay, uh, they left me out on that one. But anxiousness is a swerving of worship because we believe in a lie. 
I read a great uh, book a couple years ago, but it was talking about like uh, anxiousness is like uh, driving in Alaska. And for some of us who've never had the privilege of driving Alaska, me one of them, uh, in the springtime in Alaska, it gets very muddy. So people who have cars, they start driving down the road in mud. And what does that create in mud? It starts creating a divot. It starts creating like a ridge. It starts creating like uh, just a, a groove. And that's the way people drive in the springtime. But guess what happens in Alaska? And for those of us who kind of know where Alaska is, it gets cold in Alaska. So what happens when those grooves of mud freeze? It creates a trench. And I don't know if you've ever driven in a trench or anything like that. You, you, you can't really get out of it. So somewhere in Alaska, there's like signs that say like, yeah, pick a groove because you're going to be in it for the next 50 miles. That's anxiety. That's anxiousness. For us, like, we're, we're living in a groove. Why? Because anxiousness is a swerving of worship where we're believing a lie. And we just live in that groove. And we just drive. And it's hard to just, just get out of that headspace. Don't think like that. Just pray. Trust Jesus. It's hard. It's difficult. Because you can't just get out of that groove easily. Because in your mind, in your heart, the, the, the area of worship, the lie, what it's done is it's created a groove in your heart. And it's frozen. And then we get stuck. So why is it so important that we talk about this? Because have you ever been stuck in your mind? Have you ever been stuck in where you're not worshiping Jesus the way you need to? Has there ever been a busted aspect of your life where like, you're struggling to get past this? Something's owning you. But why do we get stuck and why do we need to talk about this? Because the most important thing that I can say to you is, and this is the most important thing as a pastor, I want to make sure that your worship of God is correct. It's not program management. It's not how keeping the lights on. It's not entertainment. The thing that a pastor is meant to do is to teach the gospel of Christ to make sure that you can know God fully. And I know this for an absolute fact because I struggle with this. Sometimes we get really, really stuck up here. And when we get stuck up there and we start getting anxious about things, we lose out on being able to know Jesus better. And then now to track everything that's going on with the Sermon on the Mount. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus brings us to a place where he brings up three things that ultimately stop us, that get us stuck, that cause anxiousness. So in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself, treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus starts with this. What is something, what is a lie that we believe that causes anxiousness? The thing that we got to start with where Jesus sticks it right here where he says, what brings swerving worship is when our values in life get off. Have you ever valued something more than you ought to have? Think about your car. You love your car. I pray to God you take care of your car. The Lord has blessed you with your car. But what if you don't have your car anymore? Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. The Lord hates me. Now again, do you need a car to get to work? Do you need your car to get your kids to practice? Is it good to go to get grocery stores? Yes. 
But is your car the biggest deal ever? Honestly, if you've ever talked to somebody who's just got in a car accident, when do we ever, man, your car is busted. What is the first thing you say? Are you okay? Is your car okay? Like, just flipped my car like four times going down 75. Like, and you're asking me whether or not my car's okay. Like, that's not a good friend to call on the first person. No, you never ask, hey, I just got in a car accident. Told you guys a couple weeks ago, I hit a deer going to work. Kathy's first response wasn't, how's the car? And if it would have been, I would have been like, wow, until death do us part, right? <laughs> like, there, there would have been some issues there. And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. But no, she's, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, let me check out the car. And I was looking at it. And I was like, I gotta, no, we're fine. She's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, nothing happened. I was scratching on I was talking to Tony at Trunk or Treat. I was like, dude, I hit a deer. He's like, there's no way you hit a deer. I, like, I hit a deer. I'm like, why would I lie about it? But every single person, well, praise God, you're okay. Who cares about the car? Now, in the same right, when you lose your car, what is the first thing that happens? You're stressed. What am I going to do? How am I going to get to work? How do I get my kids around? I get it. You live there. But for us, the, when Jesus is talking about treasure, the thing that causes us anxiety, what causes us an ancient heart, is when we value things higher than we ought to. Is there value in a car? Yes. But it isn't the biggest deal. So for us, the, the, the lie we believe in our heart is like, like the, the treasure is here. The treasure is in the temporary. And this is so spiritual. Like, again, is your house important? Yes. Is your health right now important? Yeah. Those things are important. Like, the here and the now are important. I don't want to, like, throw them completely out. But is it the most important? What is the highest level of treasure you have in your life? Is it the things here? Because the reality, the the lie that we tend to believe is we, we value the here and now rather than value in the eternity that is to come. And we put so much stock in the here and now. And I think all of us would know, who know, again, if I asked you, like, hey, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you know after this side of, a, again, temporary, you're walking into that side of eternity? I think very, very well-meaning people would say yes. But then it's like, but you care so much about your lawn. And I'm not saying don't care about your lawn. Don't be that neighbor. But we put so much stock, we put so much emphasis, we put so much value on the here, and we put very little emphasis on the eternal. We don't do that. I had a guy look at me last week, I was like rolling around with him, and I kind of parked his van like in my driveway, and I was like, ah, I can't just go like the other half, the other half. I can't just back it out, so I had to kind of do that like big V, big circle out of the driveway, totally went in my lawn. He's like, you want me to move my car? I was like, nah, it's just grass, man, it don't matter. We're driving down the road, going to a different location, he's like, why are you so laid back? And I was like, well, one, I'm not. Like, I was like, if you actually know me, I'm not laid back at all. But two, I was like... I don't care about things that aren't going to matter in 15 years. I don't care about things that aren't going to go with me to heaven. Now, again, do I want to make sure my house is okay? Yes. Do I want to make sure my car is okay? Yes. I'm not just driving. Actually, I do need an oil change, but I'm not driving my car until it blows up. But for us, we, we do got to look at some of these things. Like, does it go with us? Is, does it have eternal value? And sometimes we can get so focused on focusing on the things that are here and now. And we put very little focus on the things that are eternal. So when Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, that swerved aspect of worship, that lie that we believe, happens when we value things of earth 
higher than the things of heaven. And I guarantee every single one of us has been there. Oh, we're all there. Now, is it bad to value your marriage? Bad to value your church? No. Is it bad to value friendship? No. But does it have a higher value than the things that are eternal? So when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So I'm in the, the belief that, again, your heart shows what you truly treasure. And if you actually want to flip that kind of like diagram around, if you say, your treasure shows where your heart is. It's one of the best ways to know what you treasure in life. Where does your treasure go? And you'd be like, well, I don't care about money, but you might care about time. You might care about gifts. You might care about quality. But for us, if we look at this, again, if your heart shows where your treasure is, then your treasure shows where your heart is. But so often we dump so much time into earthly things. And again, can you, can you go do sports? Can you go watch TV? Yeah. I'm not out on that. Have a life. Have a hobby. That's great. Everything is the Lord's. So again, like I like cars, I like football, I like walking. Great, awesome. But in the same way, so often for us, the, the, the lie that we believe is we put all of our emphasis. We treasure everything that is here. And what causes that, that tension in us? If God made you as a, a, a being of worship, when you're not treasuring God fully, that's what creates that. It's tension. It's difficult. It's hard. And this is my second favorite thing. Again, if you look at what Jesus is talking about, like how do we lay things up in heaven? Here's your gospel moment of the day. What gets to go to heaven? It's people. Jesus says, uh, again, he said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. So what goes to heaven? People. Uh, So for us to kind of like look at this, like what did Jesus die for? He didn't die for your car. He didn't die for your lawn. He didn't die for your retirement. No, Jesus died for sinners. So we could be saved by grace. So we can ultimately know him. So what is the most important treasure that we need to have? What does God treasure more than anything? People. What gets to go to heaven? It's not your car. You have a different conversation about animals in the future, but like, look at this. Like, we get twisted on what we value in life. Do we truly value the things that God values? And ultimately for us, like, we're, we're, we're beings of worship. So this swerve, this worship, it gets voided when we start believing this lie. Like for us, we, we want to believe that, again, we're going to go to heaven. Like the gospel is there. So often I think what happens here with, with us is we are meant to value God and we're meant to value the things that God values. We're meant to treasure God. And we're meant to treasure the things that God treasures. But the question is, do you truly treasure God? What causes anxiousness? If you don't really know God, you're going to have a really hard time next week. We get to trust in God. If you really don't love people or treasure people, it's all about you. You're going to have a hard time treasuring God. The second one that Jesus kind of goes into, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, he says, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I'm going to work this out, but this is a big moment here. So we just talked about, okay, like if you value stuff, 
and you're off in your value, if you're off in how you treasure things, that can impact the way you live with God. And if it impacts the way you live with God, it's going to impact the way you live. It's going to impact anxiety. For this one, Jesus puts this idea of like, if your view of things is off, it's going to impact you. So he brings up this idea of, again, you are, the eye is the lamp of the body. So very bluntly, what do you look at? This is a big, big, big moment. What do you look at? How do you look at things? Jesus continues his teaching here, and he gets to the heart here. Because again, if your heart gets swerved when your value is off, your heart can also get swerved when your eyes are looking at darkness. So break this down again. The eye, this is eye. The eye is the lamp to the body. What you look at brings light or darkness. What you look at, how you look at it, can bring about light or darkness. So he says, so if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. So if you're looking at the things you're supposed to, if you're not looking at the things you're not supposed to, and you're looking at things the way you ought to, your whole body will be healthy. But if your eye is bad, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if you're looking at things, you know you ought to not look at I'll say very pointedly, some of you ought not to have smartphones. Some of you shouldn't have the internet because you look at stuff that you shouldn't. You shouldn't be on Instagram. You shouldn't be on TikTok. You shouldn't be on Facebook because, again, you'll start scrolling. I'm just mindlessly scrolling. Okay. But in that moment, what did your eyes do? Your eyes looked at darkness. But it wasn't that long. Doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't say, if you look at darkness for 0.2 seconds. If you accidentally found it, because again, the algorithm on Instagram and TikTok, it's, it's, it's that. No, it's, it's your fault for having it. So often, again, we, we look at things that we ought not to. And we try to just be like, ah, it's just a TV commercial. And I'm guilty of this. I watch football. You're, you're going to see a beer commercial. What do you do in that moment? The thing I love about my phone, and I watch most games on the phone, I can put my phone down. I'm like, sweet. I'm, game's back on. Sweet. But when we live life, how do we look at things? Because, again, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You want to know what causes anxiety? You want to cause anxiousness? Look at the things that you might, you should not be. Looking at darkness. And I want to be blunt here. There's some young people in the room. I want to say this kindly. Why is it that every single person who has a pornographic addiction is the most anxious person in the world? There's your grenade for the day. It doesn't bring relief. It doesn't bring peace. It brings anxiousness. But why does Jesus say this? If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. What do you look at? Well, it's just kind of dark. It doesn't matter. It's dark. You have to protect your eyes. The book of Job says, again, I make a covenant with my eyes. We have to hold this as believers as a real thing. What impacts our spiritual health? What impacts our mental health? What do we look at? Then let's go real practical. How do you look at it? Because again, we could put a glass of water and it can be half full or half empty. How do you look at things? There's some people who only look at things in the complete negative, atrocious. This is the worst thing ever, and they don't ever try to look at it in any way else. My view is the view. 
perception becomes reality. But so often, this is life. This is the way it is. But for Jesus, when he says, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What are you looking at? How are you looking at it? But what causes that anxiousness? What causes that lie? We're looking at the wrong things, and how we look at things are the wrong thing. So for me, I look at Genesis chapter 3, the initial aspect of sin, and you read it. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was the delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. How did sin enter the world? I looked at it. I spotted it. My eyes caught my eyes. And then it brought delight. I want to keep looking at it. It looks good. And then it became a desire. So when we look at Jesus' teaching here, we see a very similar way to the way sin entered the world. The way that Eve could have stopped it, hypothetically, again, I know we can't play hypothetical what-ifs in the Bible, but like again, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. God said, don't go do that. That would have been the first stop. That would have stopped it. But what happens to us? The pattern that we can see here is, again, that if there is a praiseworthy aspect to your eye, if your eye is healthy, you only want to look at light. If your eye is unhealthy, you tend to want to look at darkness more and more. So similar to treasures, again, like you, you have this idea of, again, like you got treasures in heaven, and then you're going to have treasures on earth. Same thing here. Now we have light. We have darkness. What do we want to look at? Well, we don't want earthly treasures. Hopefully we don't want earthly treasures. We don't want darkness. So for us, Jesus is like putting like a, 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 a boom here. What do we tend to look at? And how do we tend to look at it? We go on social media and we just look for the train wrecks of the situations. We go on social media to see stuff again, the, 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 the delight to the eye. It's the way we're, we're wired. It's the way we're looked. It's the sinful nature of us that it pulls us to the earthly delight. It pulls us to the earthly treasure. It pulls us to the darkness. But for me, I had to stop and I had to look at this. I'm like, ooh, do I treasure this? Do I treasure the here and now? Do I try to put like a false sense of spirituality on it and actually like act like I don't treasure darkness? Because if I want to look at, again, my, my anxious heart and I want to look at the lie that I believe, if I'm focused on heavenly treasure and I'm focusing on light, ultimately I'm focusing on truth. And then there's a third one Jesus brings up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and this is a verse I think a lot of people know. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I've read a lot of different commentaries. What's that first part go with? Does it go with the, the verses that we just talked about, or does it go with, again, its own separate thought? I think it's both. But for me to look at this uh, Baptist alliteration, because I said value, I said viewpoint, uh, one of the things that can cause anxiety that causes us to believe in a lie, and this is a word that some of you might know, some of you might not know, but our vittles are off. What is a vittle? A vittle is basically an old school word. It means provision. 
It's the knickknacks. You throw a bunch of food into a thing and you mix it up and it's a vittle dinner. Like it, it's vittles. It's, it's small provisions. But Jesus hits something here that I think this is like at the core of a lot of people's hearts. If I have money, I'm doing really good with the Lord. If I don't have money, I'm not doing really good with the Lord. Now again, let's just be real for a second. When your bank account's there and you don't got to stress, that is a good day. I do live in this world. I know what it feels like. I get it. When you know that you got fuel in the gas tank and you know you got food in the cupboards and you know you got something in the bank account, I get it. So again, when Jesus says, again, earthly treasures, again, it's not that you can't put any value in earthly, but where is our main value in earthly? So again, for us to turn around and say, I don't want any money, well, then how do you operate in life? I don't think that you have a farm at home. I don't think that you're trading carrots for insurance. Like, that's just not the world we live in. You, we need money. But what is Jesus' hit here? You cannot serve God, and you cannot serve money. So for Jesus here, he's going to, the thing that causes us anxiousness, the thing that we believe is that the vittles, the money, brings us more provision than God himself. So what brings you your provision in life? Is your paycheck? Is your company? Or is it the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the universe, the one who knows every hair on your head, who will supply you with every need? For us, we live in this world, and I think we can all live here. When you look at the treasures of our heart, man, that's a very personal thing. I think when we start looking at the views of life, that's, again, a very personal thing. But when you look at money, is more money really going to make you happy? Is more money going to make you content? Now, on the same right, I know the struggles of life. For some people, sometimes getting that money, yes, it can help them in a monumental way. So I'm not even trying to throw out money, but if you look at it, you cannot serve God and you cannot serve money. We got to look at this idea as, again, what is money? What causes us anxiousness? We truly believe that our provisions are provided by us. We've completely taken God out of it. You cannot serve God, you cannot serve money. We believe that our provisions, man, I'm working hard. It's mine. I provided for myself. I worked my 40, got my paycheck, I did what I had to do. I did that. God blessed you with the physical ability to wake up in the morning. God blessed you with a car to get you to your place of work. God blessed you with the skill set and the ability to work 40 hours. God blessed you with a company that's actually going to pay you. God blessed you with the fact that you're, you're the, the company that you work for isn't a bunch of crooks and they actually paid you an honest day's wage for an honest day's work. And God Almighty gave you that paycheck. But so often, what do we do? Our vittles are off. I provided for myself. And if you walk around and you start thinking, I provide for myself, I provide for myself, I provide for myself, what happens the moment you no longer can provide for yourself? An anxious heart. Because you're not getting your heart in, in that, that, that moment, in that muscle memory, to trust God. Everything is the Lord's. God chooses to bless us, and we, we have to be able to have that relationship where we trust God enough that he's going to give us what we need. And I know the moments when, again, there's nothing. I, I've lived those moments. I, I know the moments there's abundance. I, I, I get that. But at the end of the day, who provides for you? 
Because if we look at anxiousness and we look at it, it's believing a lie that swerves our worship. I got this. I'm good. Until the moment we run into something that we can't fix ourselves. We can't just throw money at it to fix. What do I do? We lose that ability. So for me, to look at this idea, again, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. Ooh. Ooh. How often we live a life, we think we're good with God, but again, he will either be devoted to one. So the call, the push, the thing you've got to look at your heart with, what are you devoted to? We're talking about treasures. We're talking about what you look at. When you talk at money, I mean, we could talk all day long about money, but again, at the end of the day, what are you devoted to? Is your devotion for Jesus just on Sunday when I can? Is your devotion to Jesus just eh, when it's going good, when it's popular? What is your devotion to Jesus? Because if we're not devoted to Jesus, we're on the other side of that. We start despising him. Nobody here, we're all too spiritual. We've never despised God. We've never been mad at God. We've never looked at God and said, why are you doing this? We, we're always just trusting in his plan fully on our near, knees with prayer and supplication. Dear Lord, I know you. what you're doing is good and this is worthy for me. Nah. Because when you start serving two masters, you're either going to be devoted to one or you're going to despise one. Why is it that we struggle with anxiety? Like I said, I want to get to the core of anxious hearts. We value things that are here more than valuing things that have eternal value. We treasure things that are dust more than things that have the opportunity to have an eternal value. We treasure stuff over than brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we treasure stuff more than the lost. As much as you can be like, but they're lost, right? Yeah, I know, but they're still made in God's image. God still loves them. God still died for them. But why is it that we have anxious hearts? We treasure too much earth. We don't treasure enough heaven. Why is it that we can have anxious hearts? The lie that gets us is we start treasuring darkness more than treasuring light. And this last one that we really got to look at, we treasure provision more than we treasure trust. And for a lot of us, there's realities. And again, everybody's circumstance is different. Everybody's hardship is different. Like, I I get that. We're there. The the reality of sin, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, track this out. And it says, again, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say You shall not eat of any tree of the garden. We all struggle with the lie. Your lie might be different than my lie. But Satan's tactic is still the same. To get people to question, did God really say that? Did God really say that's your treasure? Did God really say that he's your treasure? Oh, but you're not his treasure, though. Did God really say that you can't watch football? God really say you can't just be on that app. God really say it's okay. you can look at that. That's okay. Did God really say that? Did God really say that again? You don't work hard. You don't deserve it. 
for us, when we look at this, when we look at values, when we look at viewpoint, we look at vittles, we start listening to those lies. Did God really say? What did God really say about that? And we lose out on something. We lose out on the ability to trust God. For me, I, I, I was wrapping my head around this, and I was like, why? that's why. This is why I get stuck. This is why I get entrenched. This is why I wind up having to drive 50 miles, and I'm like, it, I'm treasuring the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. I, I, I'm valuing my vittles. I, I'm looking at things the wrong thing. But I, I landed on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So I landed on this. What is the best way that we can go through an anxious heart? Think about what you get anxious for. Get anxious for the things that are in the here and now. And then ultimately you get anxious for the things that are here and now that leads you down to the things next week. For me, I am looking at this now. I want to push into this. Where's your heart? Because this idea is like, what is hoped for in life? Because hope deferred makes a heart sick. And sometimes we hope Jesus will show up in a way, and he doesn't. And we turn around and we say, Jesus, you should have showed up in this way. This is how you were supposed to show up because this is what I wanted. This was my will, and this is what I wanted. But then it makes the heart sick. But the book of Hebrews, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So my question for you kind of today is, what do you hope for? Because I believe that so often that we're looking at the now. I don't even say we, I look at the now that I stop having faith that God has something for me. I stop having faith that God is working in this moment. But for us, when we read Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To start there, is Jesus truly your treasure? Because we can't get the view, we can't get the what you, what you think about provision. Is Jesus truly your treasure? But I think so often for us, we, we live in this, like, we don't really have hope for Jesus. We don't really have hope in, in faith in Jesus. I got hope in a church. I got faith in a pastor. I got faith in an organization. And all that is so temporary. The River Church will come and go. Ryan's story will come and go. But my question for you is, uh, what is truly your treasure is it truly Christ? Do you truly have faith in him? Do you truly believe in him? Because to look at this again, we all struggle with an anxious heart in one way or another. And I'll be completely dead honest, guys, maybe we need to open up about it because we probably struggle more than what people think we do. It might not be the same thing. It might not be an emotional breakdown. But we all struggle. There's something in our heart that causes us unrest. There's something in our heart that causes our worship to be swerved. There's something in our heart that a lie has captured and we're not able to move closer to God for it. How do we get through that? If I can leave you on anything, I think I gotta leave you on this. Where is your heart? Because if your heart's not treasuring Christ, I guarantee that you're already looking at the wrong things. If your heart's not treasuring Christ, I guarantee you're despising Christ because you're serving some other God. And I want to push into this. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what's struggling. I don't know what's stressing you. I, I, I have no idea. But the beautiful thing, 
God Almighty does. When the book of Hebrews says, for now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Is your hope in God? Is your trust in God? Is your belief in God? So like I said, I, I, I can't preach away anxiety. I can't preach away what's struggling in your heart. But I think for all of us to know that, again, we have a place where we can take it. But the first place we got to take it is, uh, this is the biggest. If we don't treasure Christ, if we have not given our life to him because he has given our life for us, it all falls apart. So wherever you're at, whatever struggles in your life, it's this, that, or the other thing. And Ryan, if I had more money, this would solve the problem. Fantastic, great. But is your heart truly in Christ's hands?